Three years ago, I was here in this workshop, M. Wayne Thomas's racing stable shop, and I had brought this old cabinet that had belonged to my great-grandmother that had sat in a barn for several years. Shortly after Cassie and I got married, we were needing a nice, simple, cheap, and the emphasis is on the cheap, cabinet to display our beautiful new set of dishes that we'd received from our wedding. Here's the original cabinet that I pulled out of the barn. After cleaning it out and taking off the top door, cleaning out all the broken glass, I brought it over here to this shop to sand it down and also to get some help leaving, uh, leveling out uh, the, the bottom right leg since it was broken. And after a few weeks of doing some nice restoration work and after a little stop at Target to buy new handles, we landed with it looking like this. I gotta say, I was pretty proud of my work. Maybe since this whole quarantine has started, it has gotten you motivated or giving you the extra time to do some of those small projects around the house. Maybe it was a restoration type job. Maybe it was just cleaning out and organizing a closet or pantry. But you know the feeling. Anytime a disorganized, chaotic space or object becomes clean, beautiful, restored, there's always this sense of accomplishment, of achievement, this feeling like I've gotten somewhere and I've made a difference. Last week, we began to establish that this sense of accomplishment and feeling is real and intentional. It's part of the way God designed us. You and I were hardwired to work, whether that's through creating, cultivating, bringing order, or restoring. Work is a reflection of the character of God, because our God is a God who works. And the truth of this is seen at the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this work of creating looked like this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In other words, God took nothing and made everything out of nothing by simply speaking it into existence. He created everything that we see, feel, touch, smell, taste, imagine, think, or experience. But He does, doesn't just create for creating's sake. He has purpose behind it. What He creates has meaning and significance. And the last thing He creates is us, humans. We're told this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In these verses, we see first our identity, our significance. God created mankind in his own image. Our identity is grounded in the fact that we were made in the image of God meaning we were made to reflect the character of God. But He didn't just create us. He gave us purpose, something to move toward. God asks us to rule and subdue the earth. In other words, God creates everything and then gives mankind the ability to do something with it, to join Him in taking it into the future. And this divine task that God gave humanity was to work and care for what He created. So from the very beginning, even before sin, it is true that God designed and created mankind to work. Work is good. You and I were made to work. Now, I need to make a distinction here. 
When I say work, I don't just mean that nine to five job you have in an office, or even that you're a farmer, or really any paid occupation at all. Work is anything you and I do that moves forward with what God has given us in order to bring Him glory. So when I'm at home cooking dinner so that we can have a meal to have food for our bodies to survive, or when I'm out planting a flower garden for my mom on Mother's Day so her and her neighbors can have something to look at and enjoy, I'm working. Whatever we do that takes what God has created and move it towards something better for His glory, that is work. But here's the problem, and you likely know the story. Instead of us following God's wisdom on how we should live and work, we wanted to define that something better for ourselves. We took what God had created and began using it the way we wanted and for our glory. So instead of us working together as a human race to accomplish good, we began exploiting other humans for our own profit and gain. Instead of planting and growing gardens so that everyone could have something to eat, we wanted bigger gardens for ourselves and we created fences that kept others out, only letting them in when it benefited us. Instead of us using the fruit and food God gave us, we went after that one fruit He told us to avoid. You likely have heard this story, right? God said to Adam and Eve, the very first humans, you can eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then one day, the tempter, Satan, comes along as a serpent and tempts Adam and Eve, and they end up eating the fruit. And this act of rebellion against God brought sin into the world. And with this sin came, first and foremost, a broken relationship between God and mankind. But it also resulted in destruction, suffering, and death. Furthermore, our work became laborious and challenging, and the created things in this world began working against us. What once was a task of joy has now become a source of sorrow, all because of sin. And this was not just a one-time act by Adam and Eve in the garden. This act of rebellion is something each of us have contributed to in this world. When we choose to rule this world for our good and our glory and not for the glory of God, we sin. This beautiful, wonderful thing God created gets destroyed because of sin. You can think of it like that cabinet that I pulled out of the barn a few years ago. Man, wouldn't you have loved to have seen that cupboard in its day? In my grandmother's home, this beautiful cabinet that had glass paint at the top, a nice white matte finish paint filled with all the dishes that they would use each day sitting in the corner of her kitchen. But there it laid in the barn, dirty, tattered, broken glass, rotting and falling apart. Sin leads to brokenness and destruction and death. And although God had every right to just give up on us and start all over, He doesn't. God was not done with His work in us or in the world He created. Right after sin entered the world, God begins to make these declarations about what the future holds for the world now that sin has entered it. And some of those things are that work's going to be hard. The ground will produce thorns and thistles. But one of those declarations he makes is about a future promise. He says that promise to the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. And this is what we're told. Genesis 3. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This promise is that the woman will have a child, and this child will crush the head of Satan, 
But as he is crushing Satan's head, Satan will strike his heel. Now, it's not until Jesus and his death and resurrection does this promise make sense. In a very real way, the heel of Jesus was bruised on the cross. And if you didn't know the end of the story, the cross would seem like the final word. But it was that very event, the cross, that was the means by which evil itself was destroyed. Because through his death and resurrection, Jesus gained authority over sin and death. And he did this on our behalf allowing us to be partakers in this victory over sin and death. Jesus, who is God's Son, went to the cross and did another work. This time, it was the work of restoration. He took nails into His hands and feet. He suffered as He hung and died on the cross. And He did this work on our behalf. But three days later, He came back to life. And His resurrection was a work of restoration restoring that which was lost and broken. It's why throughout the Bible we're taught that what Jesus did when He died and came back to life is that He started a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says it like this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. When we give our lives to Him, we participate in this new creation. What He started at the resurrection will continue until it is made entirely new. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John gets a picture of that future reality. And he says this, Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Notice what he said there at the end. What did the one who was sitting on the throne say? Does he say, I am making all new things? No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says, I am making all things new. Jesus began this work of restoration at His resurrection, where through the power He has over sin and death, He is working to restore all things. Someone described it like this. The resurrection of the world, once it was started, can no longer be stopped. It is like the awakening of the spring of the world. The movement cannot cease until the whole creation becomes new. And Jesus invites you and I to join Him in that work. Just as God invited us to take what He created and rule and subdue it at the very beginning, now Jesus invites us to join Him in His work of restoring that which was lost and broken. And when we see our work through that lens, it gives our work new significance. Do you remember this verse from last week? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. This verse says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart because you're ultimately working for God. And then he goes on to say, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Here, the Apostle Paul describes that what we are working for is that we are working for an inheritance from the Lord. And if you didn't know, the inheritance you and I as followers of Christ are working to receive is the eternal home in the presence of God where all things are made new. So that means that what we do now has eternal weight and value. Friends, we were not destined to leave this earth behind and forget everything we ever did here. 
What we do in the here and now can last for an eternity. So this is why your work, whatever you do, is an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's like God is giving each of us our own garden, so to speak, or a sphere of influence. And maybe that's with kids. Teaching kids, or maybe it's driving a dump truck. Maybe it's being a stay-at-home mom. Maybe it's working in hospital, working as a first responder. Maybe it is just planting a garden. Maybe it's working in an office, docking shelves, or working in the restaurant industry. Whatever it is, he's inviting us to take this garden, this sphere of influence that he's entrusted to us, and restore it through his power, bringing his kingdom into it. So let's get very practical here at the end and nail down three simple tangible ways for you to look at your job as an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Those three ways are through the lenses of what I do today matters, how I react to the people around me matters, and how I go about my work matters. First, what I do today matters. Each day, every one of us has an opportunity to look at our job, our work, whatever it may be, as an opportunity to bring God's kingdom here. And if you're a follower of Christ, your work should be centered on bringing God's kingdom here, of joining Jesus in the work of restoring this broken world. And that does not mean that you have to work in the church as a pastor or a missionary. Matter of fact, I think sometimes if you don't work in vocational ministry, you don't work in the church, you have an even greater opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. Maybe you're a teacher and you had the opportunity to shape the minds of our youth and kids, and you do this by simply showing love and kindness through your actions and words, giving each and every child the dignity and worth they deserve as image-bearing creatures. Or maybe you stock shelves at a grocery store, or make drinks in a coffee shop, or sort mail at the post office. You can use this as an opportunity to pray over the mail you sort, the drink orders you make, the items you stock, and pray for the people who will put their hands on these things. Maybe the opportunity is that you just pray for others at your work. Maybe it's that you set up a Bible study with co-workers. Maybe you're just the source of joy and comfort in the office, the one that everyone knows they can come to for encouragement or just a word of wisdom. Your work, whatever it is, as long as it is within the will of God, meaning it's not an outright sin like exploiting people or using unethical business practices, can be used as an opportunity to bring God's kingdom here, to join Jesus in the work of restoring all things. The second lens through which to look at your work is how you react and treat people, the people around you matters. How you treat other people and how people perceive you and see you is a testimony and witness to the kingdom of God. If you wear the name of Christ, meaning you let other people know you're a follower of Jesus, and yet you don't live that out through your actions and words, people notice that. Jesus taught this truth. He said, you are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our life, our words, our actions around others, including those we work for, those we work with, and those we work to serve, can be an opportunity to glorify God. If others see the good in us, this can ultimately be credited to God. So how you react and treat others in your work matters immensely. The last lens I want you to look at your work through is 
how you go about your work matters. Listen to this simple example from Paul in 1 Thessalonians. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul says, as followers of Christ, we should work hard so as to win the respect of outsiders. That means if we're lazy with our work and we show up late and everyone else is having to pick up our slack, it's not a very good testimony to others. It's challenging to win their respect when we don't carry our weight or do our job to the best of our ability. We lose credit with people. See, if I can't be trusted in my work, then it begs to ask the question, why is it worth trusting me when it comes to what I say about following Jesus? How we go about our work matters. If I always have a negative attitude about or at work, or I'm always angry or short-tempered, I'm not working toward the inheritance of when all things are made new. Rather, I'm contributing to the brokenness. The kingdom of God looks like this. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As followers of Christ, we are told to take off the evil and destructive things like strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, and we're commanded to put on the fruit of the Spirit. So what we do today, how we react to the people around us, and how we go about our work matters, and it matters because it's an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We get to join God in the work of restoring all things to bring Him glory. And we, when we begin to look at our work through those lenses, it changes not just our perspective, but our work becomes purposeful. Our work becomes missional. Last week, we challenged you to complete this sentence. I am a follower of Christ who... And you were to complete this sentence with what you do in your work. I hope you did that this past week. And if you didn't do that, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. I am a Christ follower who? Now, I want to challenge you to go a little deeper. I want to challenge you to bring accountability around this. Today, or this week, call up someone you trust and who can hold you accountable. Share with them your sentence and then also share with them how you're going to bring God's kingdom into your workplace and ask them to hold you accountable to do that. We're going to provide you with a simple guide and resource to be able to do that very thing. And I encourage you to use that. But what that may look like is it may look like if you're a business owner, you need accountability around practicing the highest level of ethical business practices and having the best customer service so as to give God glory. Not so you can make more money, but simply to share the love of Christ. Or another way that can look for you is maybe you work in an office around others and you need to have a better attitude about work and becoming an encourager to your coworkers. And so, you become that for your coworkers, someone they can come to when they need sound advice, and you can respond to them with biblical wisdom. 
Maybe for you, it's been that you've been kind of lazy with your work and it's put a bad taste in your employer's mouth and the people you work with. And you need to be held accountable that you're going to show up and work hard in order to win their respect. Think about what you do, how you make decisions, how you treat people, how you go about your work. Are there things you can change? Are there things you can start doing? Are there things you need to stop doing? Is there something you can keep doing that's going to bring God's glory? And whatever that is, bring accountability around that and begin living it out. When we as followers of Christ work as we are working for the Lord, we bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We are working towards that inheritance, that day when we will be in the presence of God, that day when all things will be made new.